Hi church family, I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. But uh, we find ourselves in the house today and we're pumped. We're, as I said, coming at the tail end of Faith, Love, Hope, where we really, it's a point of rally. It's a point of believing for big things, uh, for God to move through our lives and to see those things established, building projects, uh, provision in our own lives and seeing God move. But the reality is that our, our, our year doesn't wrap around and it does not... Um, orbit this faith love hope season it is we actually we believe that god can move anytime any moment through any way rather than just having a rally point called faith love hope god is the god of uh august as well it's crazy and but we believe this because we know that it's the Spirit of God that makes things shift. And it's the Spirit of God that th changes people's lives. And so what do we want to do this morning is I just want to unpack some teaching. Um, we're just going to look at Scripture because I know that Scripture is good. And um, we're in church, so that's really what we're here to hear. We're here, here to hear from the Word of God and uh, unpack what it means to actually walk in a lifestyle of life change rather than just rallying around one point of the year. And so the title of the message is Simple Acts of Life Change. You know, random acts of kindness, just simple things like that. Well, this is, this is random acts of life change. And our, our key scripture is coming out of Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10. And it says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm believing that if we are faithful at work, if we are faithful in our prayer, if I'm faithful with the, with the family, that I'm not just doing it out of no means, without hope, that we actually believe that there will be a harvest that their sons and daughters will return back into the house, that we will see friends come to know Jesus. If we do not grow weary in doing good, we believe that there will be a harvest in Jesus' name. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Who has seen the two movies, The Incredibles 1 and The Incredibles 2? Um, let's face it, Incredibles 2 was just not as good as The Incredibles 1. Um, let's just acknowledge that. That is okay. Uh, sequels have that going on in life. But uh, <laughs> we're not here to talk about cinema. Um, in, in The Incredibles, we get these, we get the start and these they're incredible superheroes with all their superpowers. And they're caped up in their role in the city. They're setting people and tackling people out of fallen buildings and all this sort of good stuff. Um, and uh, the narrative is that Mr. Incredible gets sued for saving somebody's life and uh, cancel culture for the win. And what we see is he then, they get sued and they have to go into hiding. So they have to take off the capes and become regular people, but they've still got every ability of a superhero. And uh, as Christ followers, we actually have a, a super ability. It's called the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit within us that it, it says in Scripture that everywhere we go, uh, we are the dispensation of Christ to that place. And so wherever you go, you're leaving a fragrance 
Some of you may smell better than others for other reasons. But it's like, I, I remember growing up, I used to have a really sensitive nose going through like malls and, malls, shopping centers, whatever. Um, and uh, when you go into like a Meyer or a David Jones and there's like the, you have to hold, I used to have to hold my breath as a kid walking through the perfume section because there's people spraying things left, right and center and there's just a scent. There is a dispensation of all the scents there. Um, it's the same when you walk past like a nail polish parlor or where they do those things. I'm so aware, as you can tell. Um, I just pay the bill. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, there's a scent of our life and it is the scent of heaven. It is the scent of the Holy Spirit operating through you, and it is understanding that wherever we go, that we're actually carriers of something so precious. Paul says that we are uh, like jars of clay holding something of incredible value. We are carriers of this. And so in, in talking about simple acts of life change, there's a couple of things that we're gonna talk about. And the first thing is this, you need to know who you are, and you need to know who you're not. You need to know who you are and who you're not. And this comes from Mark 1, verses 10 and 11. And this is Jesus' baptism. And if you need any other reason than the fact that Jesus got baptized to get baptized, okay. Um, but Jesus is getting baptized by John the Baptist. It's in his name. It's what he does. And we find that this is a fulfillment of things within the law. It's fulfillment of prophecy, yes. But there's also such an explicit moment with an encounter with heaven, with Jesus and his heavenly Father and also the people around him. Let's read. Mark 1 verses 10 says, Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. What a vivid image, torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 11, And a voice came from heaven saying this, You are my Son, whom I love, with who I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love, with um, whom I am well pleased. I love the fact that it does not say, you are my servant with every capability to do what I ask you to do. Is that correct? Do you have, as Christ followers, every capacity, every skill, every need that you need to operate in the will of God? Yes, because we know that when the Spirit sends, he sends away. He doesn't just send you into the darkness and say, good luck. He sends you and he walks with you because he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. But that's not what God says to Jesus. He says, you're about to go in to the desert. You're about to see 40 days of temptation. You're about to step on the devil through that temptation. And you're about to start your ministry. Here's what I want you to know. Not that you have it all together, but here's what I want you to know, that you are a son already accepted, already loved, and that's all you need to start. It's not working towards a position of acceptance. It's not performing in order to be accepted, to be loved. It's actually saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm already absolutely, my heart is enraptured by you already. You don't have to prove anything to me. I'm already in love with you. And it's from this position of understanding our place in the kingdom as sons and daughters of God that we actually springboard into what it means to follow Christ in, in an outworking way. 
It means that if you feel under the oppression of performance in your life, under the oppression of shame, under the oppression of condemnation or guilt for any any means of performance or perfectionism or anything that you think you need in order to prove yourself acceptable, the good news for you this morning is that Jesus Christ has already looked at you. He says, you are good. I love you. You do not have to do anything in order to make me love you more or make me love you less. There is no option. You're everything to me already. This, You are a son and a daughter of God. And then with that, we have, some, we have some family benefits. There's some, there's some family benefits that come with that. It says that we actually free from condemnation, Romans 8, 1 and 2. You are complete in Christ, lacking nothing. Colossians 2, 9. You are bought with a price and you belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6. You can be confident that God who has started a good work with you will follow it through th- to completion. You are not being left in the dark. You're not left being alone. He is actually continuing his work in you. That you have actually been commissioned to be a minister of reconciliation, reconciling people back with God just as Jesus. You were chosen and appointed to bear fruit. John 15, 16, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You are carrying an anointing of heaven because the same spirit that dwells in you is the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave. My friend, this morning, you need to know who you are. You are a son and daughter. You have every capacity to operate in him. You have authority, you have permission, and you have the power. You have the Spirit of God in you. The flip side of this, the seeming other side of the coin, the tension is that you need need to know who you're not. Um, One of, uh, in in preparation, obviously, of having a kid, you get to to look at certain things that you want to have, like father-son moments in the future. And because I hear that everything you want to happen exactly happens as a father. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of my moments is I want to build one of those oversized Star Wars Lego kits with my son. If you want to help sponsor this venture, I am open. <laughs> because Lego is expensive. Um, gifts are welcome. Uh, <laughs> no, it won't be for a while. He's not even born yet. Um, but... They, you hear stories of like a father and a son putting together a Lego kit and the, the son is there and they have to be helped every step of the way. It's like, dad's like, I want you to put this piece, this colored piece, this size piece here. Sometimes they can be a little bit stubborn, so dad comes on and clicks it on. And, and then at the end of the project, the son looks at what's been built and says, look, dad, look at what I built. And the father's like, absolutely good job, son. Do you know it's a bit like us with the father being like our walk with the father. We are so reliant on him. Yes, we are called sons and daughters, but there is actually a walk of dependency in the spirit of actually going, hey, God, which, which direction, what opportunity do you want me to take? What job do you want me to take? Why is this happening? What, what do you want me to say to this person? How does this work? Okay, I want you to go here. I want you to put this piece here. Oh, you need a little bit of help? Uh, and moving it in. And then you look at him and you're like, wow, look at what was built. And he's like, good job, son. 
good job, daughter. There's this idea that, yes, we're, we have an authority in Christ, but we also absolutely need Jesus. We absolutely need the Holy Spirit. There's a, a, a biblical scholar named Thomas, Thomas um, Constable, and he says this, Christianity is not a natural life lived on a higher plane. It is a divine life manifested in the energy of the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christ follower, it's not you're putting on a Christian behavior and trying your best to operate as a Christian. It is actually dying and a new life and a life lived in abundance with the power of the Holy Spirit. When we walk with it, it says even that the Spirit calls to our spirit to even acknowledge God as Father. So even the prompting, my desire for God is prompted by God, in God, with God, through God. And we're like, what can I do? So, <laughs> pray. <laughs> pray, say yes, and then look to mo towards my Father and say, what's next? It says in Jesus that he's, he, he looked and he said this about his relationship with the Father. I do nothing without the Father, and I only do that which I see my Father doing. We're talking about the Son of God came, died, and resurrected. The guy walking around healing blind people with spit and mud, whatever you choose. And this is the guy that says, no, I need, I'm just looking to the Father. How much more us? He is the model of who we are meant to walk as in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're called a son and a daughter, and you have the authority to walk in the Spirit, but you need Jesus. We need Jesus. An eternal impact requires a heavenly influence. An eternal impact requires a heavenly influence. This is the John 15 sitch where he talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. And is this connection, this intimacy, this continual walking with that is a required state where we're looking at the Father saying, Do, does this piece go here? And he says, great, let me help you out. Such a satisfying noise. But it's this, this, I need the Father. And so we need to know who we are and who we're not. I love this in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 5. We are not competent of ourselves or lay claim to anything for ourselves but our competency comes from God and it's just an absolute spirit of God I need you I need to walk with you Augustine says this pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you and that's that tension that seeming contradiction that's just how we walk, it's humility, it's understanding the authority of Christ in your life, who you are and how he is seated. So we know who we are, we know who we're not. The second thing we observe from that Galatians 6 scripture is the idea of we need to sow all the time. Sow all the time. It talks about do not grow weary in doing good, but in proper time the harvest will come. There's this sowing all the time. There's, this, there's a quote by John Wesley, who was a, 
a, a Christian forefather. He went before he established his, his brother was one who wrote a lot of songs and hymns and poet, um, poetry and really just had a heart for God. And John Wesley says this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the way, places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. And it's this, this I don't know what's going to work. Ecclesiastes 11 verses 6 um, articulates this principle of heaven. It says, sow your seed in the morning and at the evening, let your, let your hands not be idle. So go and sow in the morning, go and sow in the evening. Why? For you do not know which will succeed, whether the fruit of the morning, the fruit of the evening, or even both. So what do you do? You need to sow all the time. Do all the good you can to all the people you can. Stop waiting for the right moment. There's not going to be the moment. There's not going to be the opportunity for you to do anything. It requires step. It requires faith. Every opportunity is a God opportunity. Every opportunity, you have the Spirit of God waiting to dispense Jesus on someone. And it could be just the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe it's an encouraging text message. We, um, I talked about, um, let's bring back paper notes because there's something valuable about a note. I talked about in the first service, and so someone wrote me a note. Thanks for that. <laughs> but there's something material about it. I know there's that word of encouragement. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, a gift to someone. Maybe they just need to know that you're thinking of them. Maybe it's a, you feel the Spirit prompted you to someone, give someone something in, in terms of finance or provision or do whatever you can, all the times you can, any place you can, to anyone you can because the Spirit of God will use some sort of seed to do something. And I think our kids, volunteers, our kids team downstairs are absolutely heroes and saints. Because I'm not sure about you, but they're sowing seed with the expectation of not seeing any fruit until like, old mate's like 28. So that kid that's coming back and it's the same behavior every single week. But then they're just like, no, I'm going to sow indiscriminately into this life because I don't know what's going to happen. I know there's young people that we've seen coming through the youth ministry who are not walking with Jesus now that they're out. But I know that there is a seed in their life. I know there's a seed in their life and harvest is coming. The Holy Spirit has got them hooked. Fishing line is set. Let's do this thing. But there is, there's a indiscrimination around how we sow and with the faith that at least one of these is going to land. What this also means is there's no such thing as a secular job. There's no such thing as a secular job when you're operating in the kingdom. When you come and you come in submission to the king, he re redefines everything. So you, you thought you were just driving a truck. Oh no, you were serving Jesus. Do everything, it says, everything you do, do as though doing it to the Lord. 
And it is this idea of whether you're, you're driving the truck, whether you're laying flooring, whether you're behind a retail POS system, whether you're behind the desk, whether you're doing a presentation when you're preparing dinner, whether you're at home and you're doing laundry, no matter what you do, you're never, there's nothing ever secular about your life. It is all to Jesus Christ. And so anything you do, all you do is an opportunity for the dispensation of Christ to flow through your life. It to be a simple act of life change for someone. You may not see the seed of it in your lifetime, but maybe somebody else will. Maybe the seeds and the harvest, sorry, the harvest you've seen in your own life, but has been because someone else sowed 20 years ago. And so we just see this, this idea of there's this, there's nothing that is a secular job anymore. So if you drive a truck, drive to the Lord. If you read scripture to your kids, read it as to the Lord. If you're preparing dinner, do it as though you're doing it to the Lord because anything and every opportunity might be the opportunity for someone's life. You don't know which one will stick. You don't know which seed will grow. You need to indiscriminately sow with the expectation of heaven that harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. Galatians 6, and again, 9 says, do not be weary in doing good. Now, I want to ask you the question. Why would you instruct someone to not grow weary if they're not going to grow weary? <laughs> there is a promise behind that saying, you will grow weary if you do not intentionally fight for it. You will grow weary and good. I can see it coming from a couple of things. One, this idea of I'm not seeing immediate fruit. That can be discouraging, 100%. But you need to trust in your spirit that everything you're dispensing, every seed that you're sowing, every simple act of life change that you're dis, um, putting into someone has the potential to be the thing that shifts something. I remember um, talking to a young guy and uh, Pastor Sam, I had just given him an, a, a word of encouragement on the fly casual like Sam drop, you know how it is. And um, it just gave him a word of encouragement and nothing overly complicated. He would have said something similar to a bunch of other people that day. But who knew that it would be that thing, that word of encouragement that would shift that guy's life and say, no, actually I feel the spirit calling me. There's this idea that even if we don't see the fruit of it, know, know that the spirit is faithful that the seed will grow, something will grow out of that. So I think there's a discouragement that can grow through not seeing fruit, but I also think there's just a discouragement that can grow through being tired. We are halfway through the year. Anyone feeling a little bit lethargy? Anyone feeling a little bit tired? Any? I want to tell you this. Do not grow weary in doing good. Because at the proper time, there will be a harvest. If you need to get in the spirit of God, in the presence of God, and let him minister to your weary soul, go and be recreated in the presence of God. Do not put off rest. You know, rest is actually a part of a, a cycle built into humanity through God. Rest, the, the practice of rest is an act of recreating. You were never meant to go without a stop. There is an action of wisdom that comes in that. And so you cannot afford to, to not, to grow weary in doing this. Plan your rest. Go and rest hard. If you're going to rest, I don't want to hear from you. 
Go, do not disturb me. I'm all good if you don't take my call because you need to get recreated in the presence of God. You need to hear from heaven. You need to understand what he is calling to you, what he is speaking to you. You cannot afford to grow weary because Jesus needs you to talk and dispense him to everywhere you go. People need your Jesus. I can't afford to be tired. I can't afford to be distracted because there's something of too high a value at cost here. And that could be someone, a piece of seed that I didn't sow because I was tired that could have been the seed, that could have been the thing, that could have been the one that, that sprang up in that person's life. That simple act of life change that I may have missed because I was just tired. No, you need to understand that plan your, plan your rest, be strategic, because you do not grow weary in doing God. We can't afford to grow weary because God needs His light to shine in people's lives. Our city needs Christ followers in it that are passionate about dispensing Him wherever they go, in whatever way they go. The last one in this scripture is harvest is coming. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Not maybe, not next time, not next gen, not... Uh, we will reap a harvest. And I'm not talking about provision. I'm not talking about building projects. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about souls. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about life transformation. I'm talking about stories like the one we saw. Seeing I, why did my life change? Because someone else did something about it. Someone is calling out, the harvest is ready, this, the laborers are few. It is a, a calling out saying, harvest is coming. We need to go and get them. We need to go and minister them. We need to be in our workplaces. We need to be in our families. We need to understand that there's something at stake here far beyond my own intimidation, my own fear, my own self-consciousness. It is, a, the, the cost is heaven, earth, life, souls. Harvest is coming, my friends. We believe that this place will be jam-packed, not just for attendance sake, but we believe that people transformed by the power of God. I was talking to someone just between services and they'd had a heart attack and the cardiologist told them that 50% of their heart was dead and that's something that does not regenerate. He said, thank you very much. I'll see you later. Goes back a little bit recently and he said, I'd been doing some things, some activities, taking some supplements, praying and believing her over this and comes back and the cardiologist looks at the results again and is stunned. Like, you know, suddenly, you know how you, you suddenly believe things better when you hold it closer to your face? <laughs> some of you that need glasses more than others, you understand this. But holding this, these results as close to their faces that possibly can and just going, I don't understand, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You know, just because it said it was dead doesn't mean it's dead in the presence of God. God is moving, He is able, and He is doing something. The question that I ask myself in reflection of this, though, is, and it confronts me, and I'm going to share it, hopefully it'll confront you too, is, is my heart big enough for the people God is calling me to. We say, God, give us the city. 
Do you have a heart big enough for the city? God, give me my workplace. You have a heart that breaks for every person in your workplace? God, give me, give me the young people, give me the seniors. When you drive home and you see a young person walking home at 11 p.m. on a Friday night, does your heart break for them? Does it look at the schools? Does it look at the kindergartens? Does it look at and break knowing and open up saying, God, my heart's not big enough. It's confronting saying, God, I've got too much in there. I've got too much of my busyness. I got too much of myself. I need to get over my own fears and my own intimidation of things. I just need a heart that's bigger and a prayer that has been an echo of mine ever since I was a young teenager was God break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. God break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me not walk past someone in the supermarket in my busyness and miss them because I didn't have a heart big enough to accept them. Let me not come to church and just have some pleasantries, some nice coffee and some conversation, and then go on having missed the person that was my appointment for the day. Now my heart, God, would you increase my heart? Would you break my heart? Would would you allow me to see with like Jesus goggles, only seeing what he's got me to see through the lens that he sees people? God, would you give me a heart? Am I empty enough? Am I over myself enough? Am I prayerful enough? Does my heart break enough? That is that a, a Ephesian, oh, sorry, Isaiah 54 prophecy, you know, extend the boundaries of your tent. I've heard it. I often apply it to my heart. I need to extend the boundaries of my tent in t- expectation for God, the people God has for me. God has more people for you in your life. If you would just open up your heart capacity and pray that the Spirit of God would come in and start to reveal His vision for people to everyone, every single person you walk past and say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. As we close this morning, why don't we stand? And uh, I think in terms of a very practical next step, there's something that you can do is, why don't this afternoon you do a, a random or a simple act of life change for somebody? It could be going out right after this, seeing someone and saying, hey, do you mind if I buy your coffee and sit and let's have a conversation? It could be sending an encouraging text message. It could be calling a rally. It could be fill in the blank, do whatever you need to do. But I ask that maybe you just listen to the Spirit and what He might be prompting you to do today, an indiscriminate seed of generosity into someone's life that might might be the one, might be the one that sprouts. The other thing I want to do is I want to just pray together as a, a, a people right now. There's a couple of things I want to pray for. And it's uh, pray for an understanding of Christ's identity for those who are living under the oppression of shame, the oppression of performance, and maybe guilt. So we'll pray for that. Pray people be set free from the spirit of fear and intimidation to speak out and to act. Because in a, a, a culture of cancellation, it is quickly 
uh, it is so quick to be intimidating that we need to understand and have the Spirit of God give us courage to speak with wisdom and uh, with the, the utterance of heaven and with love. I pray, want to pray for those who are actually feeling weary and tired this morning to actually get a fresh revelation of Jesus and have their soul rest in His presence and find recreation. And also just a praying, God, would you break our heart for what breaks yours?